You know, I think a lot of people would like to know that. <clears throat> you know, my take on why these people, these three people died in one day, basically, you know. Like I say, since the Mashiach is coming through Chayovim, where everybody is guilty of sinning, and therefore we are in the Memtes, the 49th level of defilement, Jews are not worthy of redemption. You see, so therefore what God has to do is make them worthy. Therefore he has to accelerate the process where he gives them merits. And one of the ways is he must find an atonement for the Jewish people. And the death of a tzaddik is an atonement for the Jews, you see. And therefore these three people die. That shows you how, how much, how intense is the need for the atonement of the Jewish people. And the second thing I said was this, is that one of the ways of creating darkness, which I mentioned, right, is to remove those people who teach Torah. And that's exactly what happened. The commonality of all these three people is that they are all Marbet's Torah. They were all involved in Chinuch, in teaching Jews Torah. You know, Rav Soloveitchik uh, as the head of Brisk, and Rav Shaina, the head of Kamenetz. And also uh, Tversky, who wrote many, many books to enlighten and to encourage Jewish people to remain, you know, emunah, uh, faith in God and, and belief and so on. So therefore, it's amazing to watch how necessary the intensity has become. And that, what that tells me is that we are very close. Because if you have to resort to this type of you know, equalization, you know, we all of a sudden, everybody now can deserve the Mashiach, and you have this kind of intensification, well, you can imagine how close we must be. We have to be very, very close. You see? And that's my take in terms of, you know, why all of a sudden these three people died. You see? In any case... So that's your dream, and this is the understanding, Hashkofa-wise, of why these people have passed away. You know? Look, in general, it's getting very dark in spirituality. And this is the underlying idea of the whole thing, you see. In any case, uh, I wanted to speak uh, tonight about a very important topic in terms of the end of time, and that is the whole concept of the era of Rav. The era of Rav are Jews that wish to destroy the bond that God has with the Jewish people, and that is the Torah. And these people who are Jews, leaders anyway, Jewish leaders, um, what they want to do is not only destroy the bond, the agreement, that God made with the Jews, which is to observe the Torah, you see. But they want to replace it with some other feature of the Jewish people. And that basically is Jewish culture, you see. Now, there are other Arab rock people that want to replace it with the fact that the Jews are now Israelis. And if they're Israelis, what do they have to observe the Torah for? You see, they already have Israel. So that's another theme of era of Rav is besides uh, the fact that, uh, uh, that that the Jews the, the the culture of the Jews is what makes the Jews Jews. Then some people want to hold that is the, the fact that they live in Israel, so you don't need the Torah. These are all kinds of ploys that are used by Jewish leaders, you know, to separate the Jew from God by removing the Torah from the Jewish people. And they basically always come at the end. I want to talk a little about that, what that means. And we have been in the grip of the era for many, many years. We have been in the grip of the era for many, many years. In fact, especially since the Holocaust. <clears throat> and the way to understand that is that, <clears throat> which I mentioned uh, you know, many times before, the Jewish people have a certain relationship with the Satan. And that is that both share in a unique power source. The 
power source is what's called the Shefa. It's called the divine force, influence or energy that comes down, maintains everybody's being, everybody, including the Satan. The problem is <clears throat> that in the beginning, <clears throat> Adam Rishon was supposed to ignore the advice of the Satan and not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what he did, of course, is he did not listen. He bought into the argument of the Satan, <clears throat> and he ate from the tree. Now, what that did is very interesting. It changed his task, you see. The task used to be, right, is to ignore the argument of the Satan, whatever that was. But Adam listened, and he ate from the tree. So therefore, his new task is not merely to ignore the advice of the Satan. His new task is to destroy the Satan, to destroy evil, not merely to ignore it. Now, the only way that can possibly be, because how in the world can you destroy the Satan? So the only way that can possibly be is if you have access to his source of existence. And the source of existence of the Satan is, of course, this divine energy, which, of course, is the energy of the Svirot, the emanations, which uh, allows everything to exist, you see. Uh, so what God did is interesting. He gave the Jewish people access to the Satan's source of existence so therefore what's interesting is that the source of existence comes down to everything but he connected the source of the satan to the same source of, as the jews so the shefa comes down and it connects both to the jewish people and it connects to the satan and it is the jewish people that determine which direction that flow of holiness goes, you see. So if the Jews do the will of God, then the source of holiness comes down and it goes to the Jewish people. And they become tremendously energized, you see. Which means all kinds of good things happen to them. Now, in, in the sense of, uh, you know, panasah, of making a livelihood, and children, and Torah, everything, health, and so on. What happens to the Satan if the Jews are taken from this Kedusha, which is called Yoinek, to nourish from the source, is the Satan grows very weak. If all the Jews continuously do the mitzvot, then all the energy that the Satan was taking is denied him, and he dies, literally. He and all his cohort, the whole um, side of Tumor, dies. And that's really what the Jews have to do, is to eradicate the Satan, and therefore to eradicate his influence over the creation, which is what I mentioned last week in Zoyamo. But what happens if the Jews sin? So this source now becomes denied to the Jews in proportion to what they do. And as a result of that, the Satan is unique. He now takes from this source, and he now becomes incredibly strong. That's called Tigber Surah. And I had mentioned the previous year that he can now designate a nation of the world to be his Bechor, to be his primary agent, you see, to try to get the Jews to sin and to create a tremendous difficult time for them. That's what happens when the Jews sin. So it's like a seesaw. When the Jews are up, it means they're doing mitzvot, right? Then the Satan is down. We are getting the Kedusha, the energy, and he is not. If the Jews are sinning, then we are down, and he, of course, is up. It's called a reciprocal relationship. They're never equal. One is up, the other is down, and vice versa. 
That is our relationship with the Sattar. And the reason why we have that relationship is that we can actually affect his life. And therefore we can destroy evil. You see, that relationship allows us to annihilate the Satan because we have access to his Kiddusha, to his source of holiness. That's really what it is, you see. That's a very, po- that's a very important power, you see. And there are many things that can happen as a result of this, you see. So the Satan, when you think about it, is always trying to get as much energy, divine energy, as he can. Because with it, he becomes tremendously powerful, you see. And therefore, he can designate different nations to try to destroy the Jews or to get them to break the bond. He's always trying to do that. Because when the Jews sin, that's when he gets his source, you see. And that's what he's trying to do. Now, in, as we get closer, so uh, this is what the Satan, this is the active relationship. And if you remember that, you know, the Jews have different, the Neshama has different positions with God. And the last one, which was not supposed to be, but became true because of the sin of Adam, Rishon, my first man, we have to try to remove the physicality of this world, especially the Zoyama. When we remove the Zoyama, which is the death of the Satan, then we now become physical without Zoyama, and that is Tchiyatamesim, where we arise from the dead without Zoyama, and therefore we live forever. Death is eradicated. You see, and that's the first stage of redemption, you see, <clears throat> that's really what Mashiach ben Yosef does, and Mashiach ben David, and the Messianic era is an era that there is no Zayama. So, we return, we return to being what the Satan, what the Adam uh, was before the sin, before the sin, and that's a tremendous time period. Now, what is interesting is that the Jews have been trying to take it back, whatever they've given the Satan. You see, now when you do mitzvot, that brings down the energy to you. But what happens if you sin? Then that gives the energy to the Satan. So how do you take it back? And the answer is that you do tshuva, you repent. When a Jew repents, then automatically the kedusha comes back to the Jews. What happens if the Jews don't repent? Then when Jews suffer, that also empties out the Satan's energy, and that also goes back to the Jews themselves, you see. But the critical thing, the main objective of the Satan is always to try to get the Jews to sin so he could be unique, he could nourish of the Jews themselves. That's what he's always trying to do. Now, what is interesting is that this takes thousands of years. Not only what takes so long, but we have to do two things. One is we have to take back all the power, the energy that the Satan has because of the sins of the Jews. You see? We have to take it back to our side. And then we have to bring down the rest of the energy of the Sfirot, you see. And that's what the Jews are always trying to do. But what's interesting is that as time goes, goes on, and we get closer and closer to the end, most of the Kedusha, the energy of the Satan, is now back in the hands of the Jewish people. Whether it be through Mitzvah, especially Tshuva, and suffering. So it comes out that the closer we get to the end, the Satan is dying. You think about that. That's fascinating. That the Satan himself is dying. Why? Because the Jews have succeeded in taking back most of 
the tremendous kedusha of the sudden. You see. Now, so what does the sudden do? It's worthwhile to examine what he does, his strategies, in order to survive. Because he doesn't want to die, obviously. So when you think about that, the Satan has three strategies. And as an analogy, imagine a general is conducting a war with another nation. Okay. But the problem is, is that as he's conducting he, the war, he's losing. He's losing the war. Probably because he's running out of ammunition. Firepower. Well, if he's down to, imagine if he's now down to a week's worth of firepower. In one week, he'll, it'll be over for him. So, what does he do? He has only three strategies that can, he, he can employ. Strategy one is bluff. What is bluff? Where he's going to use six days worth of firepower in one day. So he's going to attempt to frighten the enemy, you see, that look how strong he still is. So maybe they will give up, you see. And let's assume he tries that. All of a sudden, in one day, he has this incredible amount of firepower, right? But he uses up six days' worth in one day. That's the great bluff. And imagine if it doesn't work. All of a sudden, the enemy, right, is not bluffed. And they continue fighting. But now the guy only has only one day left of firepower. So what does he do? Well, the next strategy is he has to try to get the other side that he's losing to to stop fighting. So he will send some of his own people as dissidents into the enemy to try to talk them into not fighting. So let's assume he does that, right? Where he tries to talk them into not fighting. And these are called dissidents, where they disagree, you know, and they try to say, we don't want to make war anymore, and so on. So let's assume he does that, and it doesn't work. And the other nation keeps fighting. So now what, he, what does he do? His dissidents, or his agents, didn't work. Right? He has no more firepower. So he only has one more strategy. And if that doesn't work, it's over. And that is, he wires another nation, some type of ally, you see, that I need more manpower, and I need more firepower, right, armaments. You need to send it to me. So if they send it to him, fine. If not, he's done for. There you are. That's what a general three strategies tries to do. Now, the Satan is in the same role. As the thousands of years proceed, and the Jews do mitzvahs, and then they sin, and they do tshuva, and then they sin, and they suffer, galut, exile. This is all in order to get the Jews to take back the energy they gave to Satan, and to try to bring down new energy. So what happens is they do it. So it comes out that near the end of the 6,000 years, we are now 5,781, the Satan is dying. Because the Jews, whether it be through Mitzvah, Tshuva, or Yisurin, have succeeded in taking back 98, maybe even 99 percent of the power source of the satan so he's dying and he is going absolutely crazy you see so what he does therefore is he will try to employ those three strategies and each of these strategies is a historical event so 
what does he do in terms of the big bluff where he tries to fire, throw out everything he's got, hoping that'll bluff the enemy? That was the Holocaust. That was one of the reasons for the Holocaust. How? Because remember what I said, that the Satan, when he grows in tremendous power, is able to give this power or success to the many, to the many energies, to the many nations of the world, to his Bukhar, and to many other nations, to assist that Bukhar, you see? And they try to destroy the Jews. And that's what happened in World War II, the Holocaust. His Bukhar was who? His Bukhar was Amalek, was Germany, and all the European nations that assisted. But besides Germany and Europe, many other nations collaborated. For instance, the United States. Roosevelt refused to listen or meet with anybody to try to save the Jews until the end when it was too late. You see. So the United States is guilty of collaboration with the Satan. It's really what it is. And it's not just the U.S. There are many other nations that refused entry of the Jews, especially Britain, when they issued the White Paper. You know, they issued the White Paper, which, we, which refused entry to the Jews into Israel itself. Could you believe what they did? The evil of this country? Britain? In any case, what does the Sutton want? It's not only that Jews should die. No. What the Sutton is hoping that this unbelievable onslaught of Jews from every corner of the globe will so dishearten the Jews that they will say, well, either there is no God, or they will say, God has abandoned us. You see? Well, how could God do this to us? And what they will do is give up the Torah. And if they give up the Torah, then they will sin. And if they sin, then the Satan is unique again. You see? So that's his ploy, his strategy. He's hoping to bluff the Jews by this unbelievable display of unbelievable firepower. In this case, nations of the world that seek to destroy the Jews, thereby weakening the faith and trust in God so they will sin. That's his first strategy. Because he's hoping that they will sin and abandon God. And he will be able to be unique, to nourish from the Kedusha that the Jews took back from him, you see. But that didn't work. I mean, there were many Jews that left, but there were many Jews that remained. So therefore, the Satan has to do what? He has to call in the second. He has to call in the second tier. Who is that? That's the heir of Rav. His agents. The Jewish people themselves. So right after the Holocaust, right? Right after the Holocaust, you had the state of Israel and who took it over. Right? You had not only the, the Israel, well, Israel, and who took it over? The secular Zionist that destroyed an enormous amount of the religious people, whether it be from Yemen, Sephardic countries, they literally destroyed the spirituality of so many Jews. And these are Jewish people, especially the leaders. And that is who? That is Israel. But there's other Arab Rav that the Sultan employs. These are the dissidents, right, that go into the nation, try to persuade that nation, right? to stop what they're doing, which is to observe the Torah. So that's what he does with Israel. And that is the Haskalo. Now, in America and the other parts of the world, he's got his other heir of Rav. Who are they? The reformed movement, the conservative movement, and the reconstructionist movement. All of them are terrible heir of Rav. They're all Jews, leaders, they want to destroy they want to destroy the agreement that the Jews have with God you see and this happened basically right after the Holocaust 
see? Although there were movements that started earlier, but they gained enormous strength after the Holocaust. And they basically destroyed American Jewry. When you go out and realize that millions of American Jews are gone, it's because of the reform movement, the conservatives, and the Reconstructionists. That's, you see. So the Satan uses them, you know, to survive, to get the Jews to sin, and therefore be yearning back what they took from him. You see. But that ultimately fails. You see. Because slowly Jews are returning, even though a lot of, enormous amount of Jews are gone, which is true. You see. But that fails, still fails, because there are still people coming, trying to come back to Judaism. So Satan has one last strategy, and that is, like I said, with the general, to take armaments from an ally so he can continue fighting. The problem is there is no ally, because the Satan is the only one that can take from the Kedusha of God, you see. And then he gives that out to the nations of the world. But there is one other possibility, Yishmael. The Arabs or the Muslims are a unique nation because of Avram Avinu. Because Avram Avinu said, Lu It should be that Yishmael should live before you. When Dubonshim told him that he would have Yitzchok, you see. So he said, he wasn't sure. She said, well, Alavai Yishmael should live before you, which means that he should live before you. Let you supply him the divine energy directly, not through the Satan. So it comes out that the Muslims are the only nation that have a direct pipeline to God. So therefore the Satan wants to employ the Arabs, you see. And as a result of that, to restore the anikot that he has. And all of this, his desperate attempt, the Satan's desperate attempt to survive is really what we are witnessing today, you see. Uh, but what is interesting is that these nations, we have America, right, Edom, reformed and conservative and all that, and then we have uh, Israel, which is, uh, you know, the, the uh, heir of Rav uh, in, in Israel and also in America, of course. And we have, of course, besides America and Israel, uh, then we have, of course, uh, the, the uh, heir of Rav themselves, you see. All of them, or actually the, the Muslims, Ishmael, all three of them, Edoim, the heir of Rav, and Ishmael, in the end of time, they are the major clippers. They are the major nations, you see, that the Satan uses as his agents to try to take back all this Kedusha. But what is interesting for us to see is that really in the end, he loses. Why? Because the ones he picked will actually do tshuva. Let's take a look. You see, America is in the beginning of the process of doing tshuva, certainly with Trump, you see, because he is a messianic figure as a guy to try to help the Jews, you see. Of course, he himself is in a tremendous war with the evil of Esau, and that's who the progressives are, the liberals, the left, and so on. So he, of course, is in a war. But for, for many years, Trump has taken over, and has done tremendous things for the Jewish people. You know, restored a great deal of things. Jerusalem is the capital. The state of Israel is state. The Golan, <clears throat> the bank, the territories, all of them have been restored to the Jewish people, basically. And therefore, they, in many ways, are beginning to do tshuva. You know, and the reason why America is now uh, going back to the Rasha base of the evil of Esau is like I said, because God has to accelerate the process where the Jews deserve to be redeemed.
But ultimately, it will not happen always that way. America will do tshuva. The second one is Yishmael. And we are seeing now that Muslim countries that hated Israel, right, they are doing tshuva. They are now allying, allying themselves with the Jewish people, you see. So therefore, the Satan is going to lose with the Muslims, you see. And then you have the Arab Rav, which are re-next, where they will be dissolved, you see, and somebody will arise from the Arab Rav, who is not an Arab Rav, and he will begin to restore, you see, the Kedusha back to the Jews. So, in many ways, in a general sense, this is what's happening. And it's basically all because the Satan is dying. And therefore, he engages in these ideas. You see. And that is really what's happening. You know. Now, what we have to do, basically, is take a look, in many ways, at the origin of the era of Rav. Why they have become these essential uh, uh, agents to destroy you see. But this is what's happening in terms of the Satan, you see. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's, you know, we see also there's always an intensification. There's an intensification, again, of, of uh, Edoim, and that is that the evil of Esau has grown tremendously dominant. Like I said, the progressives, liberals, this whole concept with Biden and these people to destroy America and the rise of anti-Semitism. So that has intensified. And if you take a look at Israel, it is also intensified. You know, you have a lot of people, tremendous anti-Haredi, anti-Torah stance, you see. And that is also intensified. You see, and you still have a great deal of the Muslim countries that so far are against Israel. Uh, but ultimately, all of this will go away. But the idea of all of this, ultimately, is to deny the Sultan his due, his power, and to return it to the Jews. But the fundamental problem that God is solving is how do I make a people that is not worthy of redemption. And the Mashiach is coming because of the 49th level of defilement, Kulum Chayobim. How do I get these people to be worthy of a redemption? Remember, not a salvation, a Yeshua, but a Geula, a redemption. So that's why you are seeing a tremendous intensification of evil, darkness, People dying left and right. Tremendous amount of suffering, you see. Uh, suffering and tremendous amount of pain and death with COVID. A tremendous amount of poverty, you know. And Biden's going to make it much worse in terms of economics. All of this is to get the Jews back to deserving the redemption just like it was true in Egypt, you see. And that is really what we're watching. So unfortunately, it seems to have necessitated the death of three great people in one day, which is unheard of. And that's besides, you know, all the great people that died previously. You know, uh, you have Rosh Hashivas and Gedolim, Abnei Torah. So many people have died uh, and that's besides, you know, many, many Jews and so on. And it's not over. You know, COVID is not over. You have all these mutations coming out. Uh, so this is not over yet. But basically that is the strategy. You are watching a global struggle. Actually, it's a cosmic struggle to bring the redemption itself. And we are now in the midst of all of this. You see. Okay. Any questions so far? What do you mean by cosmic struggle? 
Well, it's a war in heaven. It's a war between the Saratoiv, the good part, the good, uh, the you know the the uh, aspect of righteousness, Sat Kedusha, and the side of evil, the Satan, and all his minions, and the way he gets what he wants is called Kitrugim, tremendous amount of prosecutions. So God has to exercise many different strategies. You see. One of them is darkness. Another, another one is suffering. You see, another one is shaykhad, bribery, to get the sultan to back off by giving him something that he wants. There's all kinds of strategies um, happening. But this is a cosmic war. It's a war in heaven as much as it is a war here. In fact, the real war is in heaven, you see. Like it says, I will surely erase the memory of Amalek. Why does it say Because Amalek has to be erased in two places. You have to erase him in heaven, and then he can be erased here. You see, it's, a, it's cosmic because it's not just in this world. It's also a tremendous battle in heaven. So his power has to be destroyed in heaven first, and then he can be destroyed here. It's like the Rebbeinu says to the uh, to the Romans when they destroyed the Beis Hamikdash. He said to them, you know, Basco came out and said, "You have not destroyed the Beis Hamikdash. It already was destroyed in heaven when the Jews sinned because of sin at Chilam, baseless hatred." And also Lush and Hora. You have merely destroyed an empty building. You see, nothing can happen on this world unless it has also happened in heaven. There are tremendous parallels between the two. That's what I mean by a cosmic battle. It goes on in heaven first, in the Bezdin Shamila, in the heavenly tribunal. And then it goes on here. This is the result, you see. So what happens to the Beit HaMikdash Lemala first before it comes down to us in, uh, in Earth? Well, the Beit HaMikdash Lemala also is in Golis, you see. Well, the Shechina is not even in the Beit HaMikdash Lemala. That's the Golis of the Shechina. So when the Shechina returns to the Beit HaMikdash Lemala, then we'll also return to Beit HaMikdash to Mata. And that's what it needs to do. You see. Does, does the, when does the Shekhinah um, return there? When it's released from its klipah? Yes. So that's during the Pekidah? That is, actually that is really the Zechira. Because there are two stages to redemption. One is called the Pekidah, and that is the release of the Mashiach ben Yosef from his klipa. That's called the Pekida. And the Yala Yova, we say V'yipokeit. But then, the, the Mashiach ben Yosef, even though he has been released from his prison, his klipa, he has to rejoin with the Echida. Or rather, he has to rejoin with the Shechina itself. That is called the Zechira. V'yizocher. That's why it says V'yipoket V'yizocher in Yale V'yavoy. You see? So that's really two stages. Kabbalistically, it's when Yisoyed, which is the ninth sphera, uh, combines with, with Malchut, with kingdom, and so that, that Yisoyed is the Mashiach ben Yosef combines with Malchus, and therefore... He is released from his klipa. But then the second stage is the zechira, is when the shechina itself is freed from its klipa, you see, and it rejoins Klai Yisrael. So, so we then, are, then it connects you know, to the Tiferet? Yes, that's when Tiferet joins with Yisoyed and Malchus. Got it. 
you see, because Tferet is the upper ones, and Yesoid represents the go-between, between Netzach and Hoid, whereas Tferet is Chesed and Yesoid. You see, so when that happens, when Tiferet joined Yesoid Malchus, then that brings down Chabad, Chochmah, and Bina, Das. That's called the Moichen. And that changes, Moichen means, means brains, that changes the consciousness of the entire world. Moichen means brains or maturity. That's the whole point that everybody's consciousness has to grow. An infant's consciousness is incredibly primitive and immature. And you'll notice that the whole life cycle of a child, first it's an infant, right? Actually, first it's an embryo. Then it's an infant. Then it's a toddler. Then it's a child. Then it's a pre-adolescent becomes an adolescent or teenager, then he becomes an adult, right? And he grows an adult, and then he ages. And in each one of them, there is a tremendous growth in consciousness or awareness and maturity. And finally, at the end, because we are subject to Zoyamo, it reverses, right? Where somebody gets old and begins to forget it's a reversal. And tragically, many of them wind up, you know, with Alzheimer's, which is actually, when you think about it, it's a reversal to becoming an infant. That's what the Zoyama does. That's really what, child, that's really what development of, of a person is. It is a growth of Mochen, consciousness and awareness, maturity, and then it reverts. You see, we're an old person regresses to becoming an infant. That's because the Zoyamo has shlita, you see. But ultimately, it's not supposed to be that way, you see. In fact, that's why Adam was not a child. That's why Adam was an adult, because he already didn't have to, he didn't have to go through the stages of growth. He came in as a full-grown person with a full-grown consciousness. All he needed to do, really, was to bring down Chabad, Chochmah Bin and Das, you see, and then that was missing because he hadn't done the last job, which is, of course, not to eat from the tree, you see. But we, however, we have the Zoyama, we have to grow, and tragically, to deteriorate, and then go back into the earth, and ultimately to get a Petrius Amesim. So you see that the stages of the development of a human being mirrors the task of a person in Ruchniyot. And it mirrors his existential state as a physical being with Zoyamo. You see? So to answer your question, Zahira is the ultimate. You see? And Zahira happens basically, with the Mashiach ben David. So the Pekidah is with Mashiach ben Yosef, and he's the one who fights with evil. That is the great battle between good and evil. That's the Goig Mogoig and all that, and he wins. And then the Zechira is when the Yishchina itself leaves the Golas, right? And then you have the destruction of the Zoyamor. Because you need the Shechina, the Giri of the Shechina, to destroy the Zoyamor, you see. And as a result of that, that is the Tekufa, the time period, or the epoch, of Sheikh bin David, which is the actual, the Shechina, that's, that's the Molorid's Deo, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. You see, where everything is pervaded by the presence of God. That is the Zechira, like I said, which happens by Mashiach ben David. When does so Mashiach those are the two things. What was that? When does Mashiach ben David uh, get released from his klipa? Well, 
he, he gets released from his klipa as Mashiach ben Yosef is doing his job. In the Pekida. In the Pekida, yes, correct. Yeah, he does not emerge until after Mashiach ben Yosef completes his job. That's when he emerges. You see. But they're both born at the same time in the sense that they both live in the same generation. It's just that Mashiach ben Yosef is freed first because his job is to is to remove evil. That's what he does. He has to contend with evil. Mashiach ben Yosef is a seitov. He's the one who brings in tremendous amount of holiness, you see, and that must involve the descent of the Shekhinah itself, you see. But they're both born in the same generation. Because once it's decided that this is the generation that the Mashiach will come, then automatically you need both individuals for the complete redemption. You can't just have one and the other one doesn't show up. No. They both have to be born in the same generation. You know? And ultimately, they will know who each other are, who each other are, you know, and uh, both of them will come. But after they are here, then they both will rule, because the Mashiach ben David, he is a king, that is the executive branch, so to speak, and the Mashiach ben Yosef is the Chochmah, is the Orishan, the Messianic light. He's the one who rehabilitates Klai Israel. Teaches them but didn't the Torah. they say he dies in battle? Isn't he going to die in battle? Well, that is an argument. Ultimately. Oh, Yosef Chai. Yes, I had mentioned that. That is an argument. The Zohar says in one place that he will die. The Gemara says, actually, that he will die in Sukkah. But the Zohar says that he will live. And the remez, the allusion to that is O Yosef Chai. And God did that by bringing him back the Nishama of the Mashiach ben Yosef many times. And in each one, he subjects him to a tremendous amount of Yisurin. So if you put it all together in one generation, he would die. But since he comes back many times, and in each generation he suffers, right? So all the accu- accum- accumulations of the suffering that atones for him, and therefore he survives. So he will not die. That's the important concept, you see. And uh, this is what happens. But we are in a very, very difficult, intense period of darkness. So what happened on Sunday is... What was that? We're in the darkness right before the Pekidah. Yes. Like before we get redeemed. Correct. Exactly. We and are Makkah Isn't the end of time there's going to be a famine for, for Torah? With Hashem killing these four big rabbis, it, it, now there's going to be a famine for Torah that they knew that they were teaching. Yes, which is what I mentioned. That the commonality between all three is that they were it's all marvelous. It's Torah. four of them. I don't know the who the fourth is. is. He's some kind of, uh, his name is, hold on, I'll tell you. Rabbi Avraham Breizel Lipschitz, Gabai Siddhakan Scholar. There's some big rabbi. They put the all faces together that he's a big guy. And the, he's well, a, what is he? He's a, Yerushalayim, all from Israel. What's his name? Avraham what? Avraham Breizel Lipschitz. Lipschitz. Avraham Breizel Lipschitz. What was he exactly? He was some big scholar, they said. Uh They they put him on the same uh, picture with the other three rabbis that they lost people. I see. Yeah. Okay, so obviously that's terrible. But like I say, it's all to increase the darkness concerning the Lima Torah. 
That's what so they all had in common. I have a question. Is um, Are we going to have, like, ten plagues? Because whatever happened in Mitzrayim is going to happen again. So is there going to be ten plagues that we're going to be seeing? Are they going to be eminent? Like, are we going to know that it is it? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, during Mitzrayim, they knew it was a Makkah because it was, it was more obvious. I feel like in our times, it's a little more concealed. Well, you have to understand what the ten plagues were. <clears throat> the ten plagues is a reversal of the ten sfirot that attacked mankind. In that case, it was Egypt, you see. But what really, the, 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 the focal point is that it is a sphera. It is the, the power of that particular sphera that assumes a costume of a physical situation. So that's what happened in Egypt. For instance, Malchus, the sphere of Malchus, assumed a physical situation called dam, blood, you see. Now we can understand why, because blood feeds every single cell in the body. Malchus is the sphera that energizes all things in Elam Hazer. There's a tremendous parallel between each sphera and the physical analog that it assumed. I'm just giving you one example. Because blood energizes and feeds the entire human body. Without blood, it's over with. The same thing with Malchus. Malchus is the blood, so to speak, of the Olam HaGeshem, which is, uh, which is Asiya. So therefore, Malchus assumed its physical analog called Dam. But it doesn't have to. Malchus can assume another physical analog, you see. But ultimately what happens is, just like Egypt, is that the Sfirot have now, all the energy of the Satan has now been restored back into the Sfirot. And therefore, they now become energized and their energy descends and it assumes some type of a physical analog. It doesn't have to be blood, you know. I mean, the Nile turned to blood, which is an incredible miracle. Could you imagine a whole river becomes... And we're not talking about colored water. We're talking about real blood. The Red Cross would have had a field day. Right. right. So these are so eminent. Yeah. A- like the like the eye can see it. It's more. It's very. It's very like you could understand it. But in our yes. times, it's not as like clear. Yes. Yeah, so what? What? So therefore, the sphere, for instance, of Malchus, can assume a different type of physical uh, expression. It doesn't have to be blood, but it will still be Malchut that has assumed a physical expression. You see? So it's true that all ten spheres will again illuminate. And that is called the makot. But the physical expression of that makot doesn't have to be the identical idea of Egypt. Frogs, lice, and all that stuff. It can assume a different. The key concept is the sphira itself. You see? That now is illuminates, energizes everything, and now assumes some type of physical expression. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so just because we don't see it as pronounced as they did in Egypt, that doesn't mean that the Sfirot didn't get their um, power back yet. Correct? Uh, Yeah, but it will eventually. It will eventually, what, be more obvious? Yes, yeah. What stops it is the uh, Zahama. That's what stops everything. And that's what the Satan is incredibly weak. Because most of the ore of the spheres is now back in the hands of Israel. So therefore, his ability to project Zayama is very severely weakened. And that's one of the reasons why he's so desperate to regain his former status. 
you see. I was, I was reading over Shabbat about the splitting of the sea. And they said in the times of the Mashiach, Hashem, um, after he split the sea in the Red Sea, he commanded the, the waters to go back to what he commanded them when he originally created it, that one day he'll split them again. So they say in the coming day, when the Mashiach comes, Hashem uh, plans to split the seas again. Is that true? Correct. Well, yes, again, because everything, if you recall what I said oh, a year ago, actually, the splitting of the sea really is the is the tohoim of Noach, where the sea covered everything. And that tohoim, right, is the last klipa to destroy the world. That's the deep. You know, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, you see. And that covered the earth. And <clears throat> that uh, was always reversed by the... Ma- uh, so that was the Mabul, and that was reversed by Kriyat Yamsuf, where the Jews succeeded in splitting the Mabul. It's really what it is. And they walked through it. You see, that in- is indicative that they had destroyed all the Klipot, and that's why we drink four cases of wine, by the way, you know, to indicate the four klipot, because there are four sections of the klipot. And so by walking through the marble, that, uh, that led to splitting the sea and walking through the sea. In fact, the Torah uses the word tohim, tohimois, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Oz Yoshir, you will see the word tohimois, which means that's plural of abyss the deep. And there are two of them. The first one refers to, it's plural, refers to the Mabul, and the second one refers to the Kriyas Yamsov. You see, that's literally a, uh, a recapture of the Mabul. But instead of being drowned by the Mabul, they walk right through it. And of course, the Egyptians were drowned. You see? So that's an equivalent of the Mabul. So again, that will also happen. Does it mean it will happen by the ocean? Are we going to see the Atlantic Ocean split? I mean, that would be absolutely beyond belief, wouldn't it? No, we don't know what the we don't know what the physical expression will be of the clear Samsa. You see, but it will be something, and it will be something spectacular. That's so definite. all these miracles start to happen once uh, Mashiach Ben Yosef uh, announces himself. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Once the Pekida happens, then everything begins. Everything begins. So if begins. it didn't happen on Tubishvat, Rabbi, uh, should we uh, lose hope till next year or <laughs> or the next cycle of this, of this, those six months? No, because we still have Purim and we still have Nisan. We still have a lot of great stuff coming. Rabbi, I mean, I remember... And remember one thing, Rosh Chodesh Ador itself, Mishenichnes Ador, what does it say? Marvin Mesimcha. That's right, Ador itself is the month of Mashiach Ben Yosef. By the way, they just said on Instagram that uh, Iran is weeks away from being able to uh, have his nuclear... Uh, How far? How far is it? Weeks away. Somebody said that uh, Blinken said that. Who? Blinken is a Secretary of State, the new one. Yeah, I don't know if it's true. Said it. Somebody from the office said they're weeks away from having what they need to make it. And by the way, Israel closed the airspace and people are saying it's because they're uh, anticipating a war with Iran. Maybe, because somebody told me that Netanyahu announced, again, I don't know this, I just hear it from some people, that Netanyahu announced that he <coughs> he told the Treasury Department to begin putting away money. For, yeah. Yeah, they have he to. He told a Biden administration, he told the Biden administration, you're going to resume talks with them again. We're going to have to defend ourselves, and we're going to wipe out what they have to make sure they don't have anything to harm us. He told them to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means a full-fledged war. But it's more than a war. 
because it is a final attack of Iran, Persia, which the Midrash says is going to happen. They will begin to destroy the world. And, you know, and, uh, and God says, I once quoted this Midrash, but this is not only this is a war, they are going to have to preemptive strike Iran before Iran develops the uranium necessary for the bomb. And they have to do it before, which means in the next couple of weeks, maybe Purim, there may be a tremendous is this, war. Is this Mohammed Gogumagog? This could be Mohammed Gogumagog, yes. God can easily turn it into Mohammed Gogumagog. Although Gogumagog is really the war of the whole world against Mashiach bin Yosef. And this will be basically, will be Iran and its proxies. But which is incredible. Well, China, Russia, China, Russia, America, all on the side of Iran. Well, maybe. We, we don't really know, but maybe. Sure, they're going to take issue. Because Israel is going to have to destroy not just, you know, a, a nuclear, but they're going to have to destroy many things in Iran. Maybe they'll destroy the government. So the people of Iran will be able to go to rebel, revolt, and begin a new country. That would be an incredible mess. Because the destruction of Iran is the end of terror. Because they are the sponsors of world, of global terrorism. True. So this is going to be spectacular. And it looks like it's heading that way. You know? Rabbi, did you hear about um, the, what they're trying to do right before Purim? Uh, Rabbi Chaim Konevsky, Rabbi uh, Shalom Arush, and um, Rabbi uh, Pinto. They're, they're calling for a cry for Mashiach, and they're calling all the Jews around the world at a certain time, at the same time, um, to, to say um, a tefillah, um, to, to, for, to cry out for Mashiach to come. Did you hear about it? No. How do you know about yeah. it? It's on Sunday, February, February 21st. 21st. Sunday when? February 21st. Sunday, February 21st? Yeah, the 9th really? of Adar. The week before Purim. Purim is the 26th. You mean it's the week of Purim. Purim yes. is Friday. Correct. And um, and they have like a whole flyer that's going out all over New York, Los Angeles, Paris, Australia, worldwide, worldwide. Oh, so it'll probably be in the Jewish papers. Yeah, and um, it, it was all over like um, social media, really. And oh, they yeah? give they give certain times wherever you're living, so that everyone's doing it at the same time. I see. But oh, I that would be great. Rabbis, why didn't they ever do like what Queen Esther did? She made all the Jews all over fast for three days and do real Teshuvah. How come the rabbis didn't get all the Jews to do this? At least the ones you who know, identified with being Jewish. There's a big difference because in the day of Esther, everybody was under Persia. That was the last time in history that the Jews were under one government. After that, it never happened again. See, so it's much easier to get all the Jews to uh, to be mispaleo, right? If they're all under one government, right? Then if they're not, this is the problem. Um, just one, just one second, please. Did you hear, guys, that uh, Texas wants to break away from the United States of America? No way. Let's move there. 
Yes, hello. Yeah. I heard that Texas wants to secede from the union. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just reading that today. They said there's a clause that they could break away. Interesting. You know why? Because he wants because to allow open borders. They don't want it. Yeah. Well, it'll destroy Texas. It'll destroy Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California. Because you're going to have millions of people coming in. What was that? There was a video of people from Honduras running into the United States and trampling on top of, uh, stampeding on top of people just running to cross the border. Thousands. Ridiculous. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And this is Biden. This is Biden. It's unbelievable how they can vote for Biden. They didn't. I don't you know. think anybody voted for him. I think it was just stolen elections. Well, they didn't vote for him. They voted against Trump. That's the problem. He has you more know. than 40 executive orders, and he's still not finished. I heard it's 57. Yeah, 57. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's incredible.